0: You're cutting out. Can you repeat that? Go for production. Go for production. I said go for production. Production. That's right. You're listening to a podcast about TV and film production. Join us as we converse with industry leaders and gain insight into their strategies, their systems, and best practices in bringing a script
1: to life.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Brendan Riley.
1: Welcome to another episode of Go For Production where it's my job to deconstruct and demystify the production process in both film and television. We'll talk about strategies, systems, and tools the pros use so you can be inspired to move forward in your filmmaking career. Today's guest is Philip Rush. Phil is an experienced first AD based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who has worked on numerous independent films and series. Most recently, Phil has worked on a movie that was shot during the COVID-19 pandemic and lives to tell of his experience. Welcome to the show, Phil. Hey, Brandon. Nice to see you or hear you. Nice, <laughs> nice to see you, too, um, or hear you. Uh, so I heard recently that you were working on a movie shot during the pandemic. Was it July and August? When, when was this?
0: uh we just wrapped it up in august uh we shot for 20 days um through july uh, through the end of july into the middle of august
1: so you're one of the first movies that was really geared up to go you know following i'm assuming the safe way forward document as much as possible
0: yes yeah we followed the white pages to a t
1: So I have a series of questions. I just want to kind of hear about your experience and and, and get some ideas for people that may be going into production on on their film and maybe they can learn from you and your experience. Sure, Um, go ahead, shoot. So the first thing I was thinking about was what type of things were you thinking about prior to filming? Did you have any anxiety? Did you have any um, just... Thoughts in terms of what is this going to be like?
0: Absolutely. From uh, even before the lockdown, um, I've been in a relationship with a nurse for almost 20 years. So uh, before it even was officially a pandemic, I had been hearing about what was about to happen and listening to the protocols that they were doing in hospitals to prepare for what was going to happen. There was a show that was supposed to happen. In March, that obviously ended up not happening because nobody knew what was going to happen, so from that point on, I just started following as many pages as I could to see what the industry was looking to do to help move us forward. and obviously, we know how productions can be, just you know forcing people to work long days, long hours, many days in a row um, and You know, not in every situation, but in a lot of situations, there's not a lot of care given into what happens with the crew. Uh, So in that sense, moving on to my first show afterwards, it had to be a company that I trusted, that I'd known for a while, that I worked with because I was not about to go into set with a very green producer in a situation where we could put a lot of people's lives at risk. So there was a lot of anxiety about what that first show was going to be. Uh, when I got the call for this show, I was very, very happy to get it because I do trust these people and I knew that we weren't going to move forward at all if it wasn't going to be a safe situation for everybody involved.
1: When you, when you were preparing for the shoot, um, w- what was prep like for you in terms of how was it different? What were the protocols?
0: So in my particular situation in this, prep wasn't significantly that much different as far as scheduling. Uh, The one difference was instead of being a 15-day shoot, which a lot of these productions are, we moved to a 20-day shoot because we did know that all of the protocols were going to slow the normal set process down. Um, And that even being said, 20 days was a little bit tight. Mostly just because it took us a few days just to get our feet under us and really have an idea of what we were going to be doing once, you know, once we started rolling cameras. There was a lot to learn. And something that we did that was very helpful that um, almost took me back to film school days, uh, the weekend before we started shooting, we were in a field by the inn that we were staying and we roped off an area that was uh, the dimensions of one of our sets. And we did a mock shooting day where we had everybody there and we worked through the process of shooting a scene, going through coverage, going through everything, moving people in and out of the room so that we could see where the trouble problems could lie as far as people being in each other's space and people being in each other's way. Uh, and in fact, at that situation, because we, we were shooting two cameras, we realized that we need both second ACs to be in inside of our bubble because they are constantly on set with actors and with you know everybody in the in the first bubble so we learned a lot by going through that process and you know it's like anything else that you do whenever you change the rules you have to figure out what those new roles are and what they impact and who they impact and without doing that mock day our first day of shooting would have been a lot of stepping on each other's toes and figuring out how to move everybody through and just getting the crew on the same page because this is the first time for for all of them as well.
1: So when it, when it comes to testing and, and creating zones, what was that like for you in terms of um, you have prep and you have your shooting days? How was the testing scheduled or organized?
0: So we had a COVID officer on set um, who uh, was a physician's assistant in an emergency room for many, many years and uh, saw this opportunity and wanted to get involved in the film process and, you know, to help keep... 70 people safe. So, scheduling tests with him was crucial. Everybody needed to be tested before we left our home state to show up where we were shooting. Uh, Once we got there, we were all quarantined to. um, We had an inn that housed about 30 people. Then we had another inn that housed six people. And then we had a a satellite hotel that we had the rest of the crew in. Everybody in the first bubble were in the first two inns, and all the ancillary people not ancillary isn't unnecessary, but the secondary and uh, tertiary bubbles were all at the hotel. So once we all got to our respected places that we were staying, 48 hours after that, we got our second test. At that point, we were able to then start having meetings face-to-face. We wanted to limit them to only being meetings that were crucial to be face-to-face, try to do as much as we could through Zoom. But as you know, you know when you're having a conversation, sometimes it is easier, especially if you're all staying in the same place, to just sit down and talk. And at that point, we had areas outside of the inn where we were staying where we were able to sit at larger tables and keep ourselves spaced out while wearing our masks. Everybody kept their masks on all the time. Um, but uh, once we were all there and we were tested, everything was not more laxed, but you felt more comfortable with the people that you're around. Uh, that being said, once we got there, then you know, more tests happened. I was on site for three weeks before we shot. I had three or four tests before we started shooting. The day before we started shooting, everybody in the first bubble uh, got a rapid test so that we were all prepared and ready to be in the first bubble uh, starting day one. And then after that, we were following SAG's rules of uh, three tests a week. And we were doing tests on site. Uh, They had mail-in tests that we were able to work with that uh, you would check in in the morning, you would get your temperature checked. And on the days of the tests, you would be uh, handed your test. Once you fulfilled your obligations of doing the test, you handed it in. And then at that point, you got your bracelet that said that you were allowed to be on set that day.
1: So in terms of, of the testing um, and the COVID officer, what other crew personnel did you experience that were implementing these procedures?
0: So in addition to the COVID officer, our paramedic was also very helpful and helpful. Uh, and helping to keep everything moving along. And then uh, the production office was heavily involved as well with helping to coordinate the mailing of the tests and getting the tests there. And, uh, but most of the tracking and everything that went along with keeping the schedule and knowing who had been tested and what their results were, all came down to uh, the COVID officer. Um, Due to HIPAA policies, there are uh, legalities as far as sharing test results whether they're positive or negative because it's a medical procedure or a medical test that, you know, HIPAA does not allow that or protects the patient from sharing that information or having to share that information with employers. So luckily we had zero positives on the, of any of the tests, but uh, everything was tracked. We did have a person one day spike a temperature we sent them to get a rapid test. They tested negative, but they still had a temperature. And since we only had two days left, uh, they just didn't finish the show with us, just to be safe. Uh, they were still paid, and you know they stayed in the hotel. Uh, they didn't have to travel right away, but uh, but we just wanted to be safe. And then they tested again, and again was negative. So whatever reason for the temperature, I don't know, but I do know that uh, we didn't have to do any of the contact tracing or retesting or any of that stuff that would have happened if we would have had a positive test.
1: In addition to, you know, the, the testing and the mask, what what was the other precautions that were taken? Were there any signage or any other devices used to?
0: Yes. Lots of signs, lots of hand sanitizer. Um, and, And a lot of, you know, our COVID officer and our paramedic and uh, the PAs. You know, PAs' job is to keep everybody quiet on set. An additional job that came onto them was to just make sure that everybody was keeping distance. Uh, as you know, the video village area tends to be a hot spot for people congregating. So we had to spread multiple villages out to keep everybody who needed to see the picture there. But at the same time, we had to constantly remind people if you don't need to be there, don't be a village. Make sure that if you have to see something, only one person from your department is your representative. That way we could have room for everybody without overcrowding. Uh, Fans and air circulation was a huge thing as well, keeping the air moving and keeping everything well ventilated. And our COVID officers helped out a lot with that, um, helping us to place fans in particular situations. And we learned that the best place to put a fan is right by where a PA is going to do a lockup. That way, the PA can be standing next to the fan, and as they're locking up, they can turn the fan off when we're rolling, and when we start roll or stop rolling, they can turn the fan back on. So, there was a lot of new little things like that that you know creeped into, into the normal process that once we started doing it, it just was normal. You know, as we were figuring out our lockups, a lot of the time, it was like, well, we lock up by doors. It's a great place for a fan. So, you know, those things became important. Hand sanitizer everywhere. Uh, We issued hand sanitizer in small bottles to the entire crew so that everybody had their own personal bottle and you can get it filled up anywhere. You know, there are multiple stations to fill it up. But also having hand sanitizer just sporadically through sets. Um, I tried to make a big deal of it whenever I was sanitizing my hands because crew does look to the first AD for, you know, just following protocol and attitude and, you know, just everything. So, you know, at the beginning, I was just, you know, I'd be hand sanitizing and we had different types. So I would be like, oh, I really like this or, you know, something just to verbally be saying I'm sanitizing so that it was in people's minds to continue doing so. In addition to that, we had uh, hand washing stations uh, around different areas. Um, You know, obviously there were bathrooms with sinks, but, you know, outside we had hand washing stations by the crafty area. Uh, crafty was a whole different situation because that could be a hot spot to spread stuff. So the cooler, for instance, uh, we had a PA whose job was to be by the cooler. And if you wanted something, you would ask for something. He had gloves on. He would be prepped to, to get you something out of the cooler and hand it to you. That way we weren't uh, risking spreading anything through multiple people reaching into a, you know, a cooler full of you know, watery ice and drinks. Uh, the Crafty table itself, was limited to selections but i mean there was still good selection but the table was had everything placed in such a way that you could just look at it reach down and grab something without interfering with anywhere else and then once that spot was empty that pa who was working with the cooler also saw an empty space he would sanitize it and replace that spot with something else you know the same thing or something else just to make sure the spot was there but by seeing the empty spots it was visual cue that somebody's hand was there and it needed to be cleaned uh that being said that worked down the line through all the departments all the gear coming in and out of set had to be sanitized everything had to be clean uh lenses had to be wiped off as they were coming from one ac to another ac so that you know that's a point of contact hmu they had uh, quite a chore because we had uh, seven principal cast in this, which is a pretty high number, especially with what's going on. So we had three hair and makeup um, representatives, and they had people who they specifically worked on. So in scheduling that from putting the call sheet together, we had to schedule it in a way that we had to coordinate with HMU more than we usually do just to make sure that the person, people who are taking longer were coming in sooner even if we didn't need them right away, because they had to once they got through the chair, everything needed to be sanitized. Everything needed to be clean. Uh, every actor had their own individual makeup bag and tools that were specifically used for them. Uh, all, any hair, you know, combs, brushes, all that were constantly going into barberside. You know, the anything to disinfect anything that touched anybody. Uh, the HMu wore shields and face masks to make sure that there was, you know, since they were in such contact with actors, and obviously actors can't wear, uh, can't wear a face mask when they're getting makeup on because that doesn't, you know, kind of have to see the face. So in reality, the actor then is the biggest threat to you because they're not wearing a mask. Because the big part of the masks is to protect the people around you. So in that situation, the, actor, the HMU wore face shields as well as the mask to make sure that they were doubly protected. That was the same with our onset uh, costumer, and uh, that also fell down to the um, to the sound department. Our sound utility was the person putting mics on everybody, and we did minimal body mics when we could. Uh, we favored two booms when we could, just to avoid additional contact with people. But if they had to have a mic on, then the utility would have a mask on, have a shield on, and he would then, you know, approach cast and do what he needed to do. But just knowing that whenever you get that close to somebody with a mask, you take extra precautions
1: that's very comprehensive, Phil. one thing you mentioned I want kind of dive into is this idea of mask and i I know you know it's this heated heated thing that people talk about. Um, you mentioned the people that were hair makeup, sound, the onset costumer also wore the, the shield in addition to the mask um, Talk about what it's like working with a mask for a 12 hour day or, I mean, some, I mean, some days you're shorter or longer, but.
0: Honestly, if you're in a position in life where you can complain about having to wear a mask while you're at work, then you have, I guess what they call first world problems because it's probably the least intrusive thing that you could do to protect not only yourself, but other people. I mean, yeah, we're wearing masks right now because of this situation. But if you look at people who work in the healthcare industry, who work 16-hour shifts wearing masks all day long, not just the paper surgical masks like we wore, but the N95s, which are harder to breathe in. And you know, they're constantly having to wash their hands and sanitize and do all of the things that we're doing now. They have to do that every day, regardless of what pandemic is going on, because they work in a hospital. So for us to have the ability to make a movie and have to follow a few simple rules, I really don't think it's something to complain about. And in fact, I feel like if you are the person that has a poor attitude about protecting other people, then maybe right now is not the time to make a movie for you. In fact, I, without going into detail, we had one person on the show who early in production was very negative and wasn't, wasn't really sounding like they were going to be a team player send an email out to other people in his department that they should be pessimistic about the whole situation. And that's just not an attitude that can fly in this, in, in this environment. So needless to say, that person didn't work on the movie. We replaced them with a much nicer person, and we moved forward. I mean, if you're not willing to wear a mask to protect people around you, then you're really not the kind of person that I think a lot of people want to be around, you know? Right.
1: But what I mean, I'm saying, have- I guess the question isn't about willing to is it's i mean it can be difficult to breathe and all that kind of stuff what was it like though trying to communicate in terms of your job with a microphone or your headset or just in general because as a first ad a lot of times you have to you know say something pretty loud so a lot of people can hear you and with the mask how do you do that
0: i'm pretty outspoken and pretty loud as it is i had i really don't think i had any problem um i mean even uh, with a microphone, you know, the, on, the, on the walkie-talkie, it picks up pretty well. I mean, if you moved it a little closer to your face, you could be heard a little bit better. As far as, like, safety meetings and addressing the crowd, if it was a bigger crowd, like when we, had, we did have a few bigger background days, um, I would just step further away from everybody. And at that point, if I needed to remove my mask, I would. I think maybe that happened one time. But for the most part, I was able to you know, communicate pretty properly. The surgical masks are very thin. They really don't interfere with breathing or, or your speech very much. I mean, if you mumble and you're soft-spoken to begin with, maybe that would be a problem, but I, I don't know. People don't generally have a problem hearing me.
1: I mean, you, you had the surgical mask, and I'm sure other people had different types of masks. Did you find nope. a certain mask easier to use than others? So
0: what well, we decided early on, um, in order to avoid any complications whatsoever, everybody would wear the same mask that way, we could visually look and make sure that it was on it was properly wear- fitted, and that you know they were they were all complying. Uh, we also figured that if we kept it all uniform, then there wasn 't any issues with worrying about what type of mask somebody had. I mean, I have a pretty amazing mask that 's pretty heavy and pretty. Uh, it was made by uh, friends of mine that are working with Tom Sabini to make the Jason masks. Right. And while I love it and it's cool and I wear it whenever I go in public, it was, you know, obviously too hot and not comfortable to wear on set all day. But if we figured that if everybody was uniform and wearing the same mask, then it was a quick visual to look out and see, okay, everybody's got their mask on. And when you see something that wasn't a blue thing on somebody's face, you questioned right away, like, "Are you, Why are you? Oh, okay, you have this mask on. Great. Well, we'd like you to wear this one." Uh, that being said, our COVID officers had masks on them all the time. At any point, you could come up to anybody on Channel One and say, "Hey, I need a new mask," and you would have a new mask in your hand within a few minutes. We made it top priority to make sure that everybody was comfortable with the, you know, nice, clean, new masks on whenever they wanted one. That way, nobody felt like they were putting something dirty on their face or, you know, that they were doing something that they didn't want to do. We tried to make it as comfortable and easy for everybody as possible.
1: How often did you change the mask out, I guess?
0: So me personally, I changed my mask out about three times. I wore three masks every day. Um, Some people didn't change their masks as often, but I tend to speak more than most people on set. Uh, And I found that the days where I spoke more, like when we had our bigger background days, I would be up to four masks just because, constantly breathing in it and you know spitting when you're talking or you know whatever happens when you're you know talking loud it would condensate inside and then they would get fuzzy and tickle your nose or whatever and you know just get on channel one real quick and say hey i need a new mask here for phil and then i would have a new one i usually kept a few in my pocket just you know sometimes the string's broken you know you just want to make sure you fit, you know move on quickly to a new mask
1: uh, did you have a place where people wanted to take it off and breathe or like for lunch? I mean, what were, were there any places where people can?
0: So yeah, if you weren't directly around anybody, like, you know, say, you know, you were standing out next to the trucks and you were smoking a cigarette or something, obviously you can't smoke a cigarette with a mask on, you know, you could step away from everybody and and have a mask on. Uh, And according to the rules, I guess like six or eight feet is like a safe space to be without a mask. But we took it a little further than that and just said, you know, if you're in the area of people, let's keep a mask on. And uh, everybody seemed very respectful and wanted to make sure that they took care of, you know, their brothers and sisters around them. So everybody kept it on. Um, but again, once you started wearing it, it kind of became second nature. I was sitting in the hotel room after we wrapped one night for about 20 minutes and I like realized I still had my mask on. <laughs> I and I'm like, oh my god, I can take this off now because you know once you do something so many times, it becomes a habit. And I didn't even notice it for the most part. You know, like I said, I was just sitting there in bed watching TV.
1: Now, did you notice yourself being more tired at the end of the day because of the mask, or was it just not no. bother you as much? No, it didn't bother me at
0: all, at
1: all. When it when it came to background, how did you use masks for them, or did you use mask at all for them? so background
0: was a whole different situation so the movie that we were shooting took place um in at in, in an inn. you know it was a predominantly one location so um we had a number of background that we brought in for two weeks uh they came in a few days before they all had their tests and they got rapid tested we quarantined them in the hotel and we kept them for two weeks. We didn't need them every day, but uh, we had them. And if we needed them, we brought them in. You know, they got paid to sit in the hotel, but we kept them clean and you know, they quarantined. We fed everybody three meals a day, so nobody had to go out and you know, find food and you know, put themselves at risk anywhere. But it, it, in a weird way, it was actually kind of helpful because I'm sure you know how it is whenever you're on set. You have you know, 12 background and you're like, well – Really, really need six, but we brought 12 in. And then, you know, the, the line producer's like, well, I just paid for six people. Well, now you've paid for them anyhow. But in that same sense, when we were shooting one scene, we were like, you know, it'd be kind of nice to sprinkle a couple people in here. I know we hadn't talked about it. They're like, well, we have 12 people sitting in a hotel, but we pay, we're we paying for the day anyhow. So let's bring them on in. So it was, it was interesting to have them at, this, at your disposal in, in such a way that you could you didn't feel like you were overpopulating scenes because you had to, because you were paying for them. And then in, at the same time, you were able to populate a scene or two that you didn't think you would populate because you just had them. And then we had two days where we had uh, additional background where we brought 25 in, um, to populate bigger scenes. And the same thing, they all had to be tested 48 hours before they came out. They got uh, rapid tests the day of shooting and then they were able to come on set. Um, So we had one woman who uh, was wearing the mask below her nose, which doesn't do any good. Um, And she was told about it twice. And on the second time, I said, look, if you can't wear a mask, then you can go home. And she said, well, you know, it's sometimes hard to breathe in it. And I said, well, I understand that. And, you know, you're not being forced to be here. I need you to comply because everybody else is complying. And if you don't comply, then I'm going to ask you to leave. And then she wore her mask and, you know, wasn't a problem for her whatsoever after that. But for the most part of all the people that we brought in, everybody was very compliant and everybody's happy to work. And, you know, this is a whole new situation and we're trying to figure out a new way to do it. And, you know, if you're not going to be willing to, to follow the rules that we're setting out there to keep everybody safe, then, you know, maybe this isn't for you.
1: For going back to the background, was, were there any times where you had to put makeup on them? where they couldn't wear the mask, or was that a thing?
0: Uh, so none of the background got any uh, makeup looks, but they did get wardrobe looks, and uh, it would be the same situation with principals. Uh, the wardrobe person would have their shield on, have their mask on, and if they had to touch one of the background people, they would glove up and you know wash their hands, glove up, do whatever adjustment they had to make, and then if they, whenever they moved on to the next person, they would throw those gloves away, wash up, glove up, do any adjustment, but it was, we tried to make things a lot simpler. And, you know, for the most part, people can adjust their own tie, you know, or they can, you know, fix their collar or their jacket. So it was more trying to give more verbal instructions than actual hands-on. But for the situations where there was something that needed to be done hands-on, that would be the process. It would be the same as if you were touching a principal actor.
1: You know, as a first AD, your job is to really focus on time and trying to maximize the amount of shooting time. What were any pain points that you encountered on this particular film that were due to these precautions?
0: Uh, I would have to say the biggest thing was just getting the day started. Um, So we had a lot of pre-calls for the actors and for hair and makeup because they could, you know, there were three of them. And like I said, we had seven principals, and they could only touch each one you know, at a time. So you can only put three people through the chair at one time. Um, you know, this is a network uh, TV movie. So the look is very, very crucial to them. So you can't just slap them together and throw them on screen. So that being said, th- we knew all the women took at least an hour and the men took about 20 minutes. So we would have to schedule that in a way where the women were able to get in a little earlier they had a little bit longer of a pre-call. And then they knew that they were going to be hanging out for 20 minutes or so while the guys were getting finished before they came to set. Um, Then the scheduling part of it came down to even if it was more difficult to move cameras and find, uh, you know, move to a different set within the, the building that we were shooting. We tried to limit the amount of script days that we were shooting in a day to minimize the amount of makeup changeovers because we knew every time we had a look change, we were looking at an hour to an hour and a half. To get everybody through to the new look so it was a lot easier especially since we were lighting with a smaller package you know with LEDs and you know we were shooting two cameras as well so you you know it's better to light with a, a fewer lights so that you're not getting in the way and causing more shadows um, it would just be easier to move to an entirely different floor in the building than it would be to change everybody over into a new look and that was something that we really didn't we, we had an idea of how long it was going to take, but we didn't realize that it would be quicker to do this until we started shooting, at which point we shuffled the schedule a little bit just to make it a little bit easier on moving through the script days.
1: You know, looking back on this particular project, is there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now with having done a movie during the pandemic?
0: Honestly, I... <sighs> I don't think there's anything I would have done differently through the whole movie because there were things that we did differently on day 20 that we didn't do on day one, because we learned as we went through, I would have to say that going into the next movie, having gone through this one, there's some stage, some stages and steps that we hadn't even considered that now we know is the thing that, you know, that we can, we move through, but I feel like we executed pretty, pretty amazingly. I mean, the fact that we shot the movie on schedule, uh, with you know, minimal problems and no positive tests, I think is, that's a win. And you never want to change anything from a win. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in, in terms of educating your crew and your cast on protocols and, and information, what was the strategy or the process that you took?
0: So a lot of it came down to communication between me and our safety officer. And every day we would have a safety meeting, we would talk about what we were doing, where we were shooting, and things that could be a red flag or something that we needed to to know that we had to think about. Like, for instance, we were shooting in this hallway that was really tight, it was small, and there wasn't a lot of space. So before that day, we were talking about, okay, we all have to be very cognizant about when we move in and out of set because we wanted to get all the actors off the set from blocking before we brought in the Grip Electric guys or the art guys. And in that particular set, we had, to, we had to move each department through individually so that nobody was overcrowding the space. So art would come in and move their things or do their things, and Grip Electric would come in and do their thing, and the camera would set up, and once camera set up you know, and did their thing, then we would have to you know, make an adjustment to lighting or to you know, something in the art world. To accommodate the shot but in that particular set it had it was a constant okay you guys get out now you guys come in okay you guys come out now you guys come in uh the one thing that i do notice is because of us having to move through things like that i i mean i normally am on set all the time anyhow but occasionally i have to step off and talk to the second ad you know and plan for the next day or talk to producers about something coming up where this was I really didn't have time ever to step away like that. So a lot of that communication, uh, we did a lot of it via text message so that we weren't, uh, you know, jamming up the walkie. And, we, you know, I was, so I would still have to be on set and I was constantly reading my phone, talking to the producers or my second about updates or changes or, you know, moves that we needed to make later on down the week. But as a first AD, you, I really had to stay there constantly because the second that I would step away, Somebody would be like, I need to go in there. Am I allowed to go in? And, you know, without people, wanted to respect the, the policy. So people weren't just going to step on set until they were invited or they knew that it was clear for them to do so.
1: As you wrap things up, um, I just wanted to see if there's any, you know, words of final words of advice you have for somebody, you know, it's about to go into pre production on a film or TV show. Um, what should any final thoughts? Ideas. Yes.
0: Ask questions. Don't, I mean, don't be afraid to ask the producers what their policies are. And if you don't feel comfortable with them, then don't do them. I mean, it's more expensive to do a movie properly right now. Our budget hit was probably close to $160,000 just in COVID related changes. Uh, maybe even more when, when you uh, count for the fact that we shot 20 days instead of 15 days, but those were just costs related to, you know, keeping background and masks and tests and, you know, additional meals. But I I would say to anybody, ask questions, Know, know what you're getting into, make sure that they're following policies. If somebody asks you to come to set and they say that you don't need a test right now, then I would be very leery about that because, you know, the whole goal of any movie is to live through it to be able to do another one. And the last thing I want to do is die making somebody's movie. And I don't wanna see anybody get hurt or sick or have to deal with anything uncomfortable because of a movie. It's too easy. I know it's a little bit more money, but it is too easy to do things safely. So ask questions, make sure that you know what you're getting into.
1: Phil, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. I really enjoyed all the insights. I'm gonna take all the things you said to heart on my next project. And um, I hope this encourages other people and their effort to film during the pandemic.
0: Well good luck. Stay safe. And uh yeah, let's make some good safe COVID movies.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Go for Production. You can listen and subscribe on Apple podcast or Spotify. You can also listen online at assistantdirecting.com where we have articles, links, and free downloads for people that work in production. When you visit the site, be sure to subscribe to our e newsletter to stay connected with what we're doing.